Welcome back to the show, Alex. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Lindsay. Lindsay's back. Hi. You were just here. Episode 81 was you. Yeah. Episode 82 was Meg. And, and now I'm you're back. back. <laughs> I like this new this new thing that we're doing. Yeah. Pretty great. Um, I think the episode today will be a really cool one. We're going to talk about... Um, it was originally like the five pillars of being a kick-ass client. And then we added a couple. So the seven pillars of being a kick-ass client. And this is this is not just if you work with us. Like I know a lot of our our clients and people who we work with uh, listen to the show. But it's also there. These are things that would improve and probably um, are indicative of a good coach client relationship, no matter what kind of coach you work with, whether it's a nutrition coach life coach, business coach, uh, fitness coach. I think the, the concepts are quite universal. So, um, there are in no particular order. Some will overlap, but, um, this is, this is our opinion based on the work that we've done over the years. So I'll let someone else take it. All right. Um, so just an overview and then we'll dive right in. We have for the seven pillars, openness, communication and responsiveness, trust, low ego, patience, willingness to learn, and self-motivated slash takes personal responsibility. So let's start with number one, openness. It's the best one. And I think we're going to go full like Brene Brown here because in my opinion, openness and vulnerability kind of go hand in hand. And so I think for a lot of people who are just starting on their coaching journey, I hate that word, but we'll use it, there's a lot of shame in just like getting started and reaching out and, and, and admitting like I need help with this, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, nutrition, health, there's a lot of shame in just saying I need help and reaching out. And so someone, you know, who has taken the first step of contacting us or signing up with a coach, like obviously has embraced that to an extent, but you can still see it show up in the way that people communicate. Yeah. I think like within the, the actual like <laughs> meet or like middle of, of coaching, it's, it's that willingness to be like, Hey, I'm frustrated with this or Hey, I'm struggling with this versus just not telling people like that. Because I think sometimes we can assume that they know that they need to be patient and that like things um, aren't going to happen right away. Um, and so then like they don't necessarily communicate that like frustration or like uneasiness that things aren't, aren't necessarily like happening right away. And um, I think there's like a way to communicate that to us where, where we can then support that feeling and like help them through that versus just like feeling that way. And then kind of like, exploding later and being like <laughs> I've been so frustrated and nothing is working or they just like cancel or whatever so I think just like even being able to say I'm struggling with this or I feel this way um can be really helpful for us as a coach because it allows us allows us to like talk through that feeling with them like we've done posts on it's not just about trying harder yeah but I think a lot of people still fall into that trap. I didn't track this week. I'll just ignore my coach. And then next week I'll track and we can have a conversation. Mm. 
Meanwhile, we're over here like, what are you struggling with specifically? And they don't respond. And it's like, how can we help? Because even though, yeah, it's tracking or it's even just eating three well-rounded meals a day. Like if we don't know what the struggle is, like is meal prep the struggle? Is the fact that you don't have time to eat lunch the struggle? Like how do we even help you implement strategies if we don't know what the specific struggles are? Because those can differ so drastically person to person. Mm -hmm. I had a client, um, yesterday tell me that he hadn't been as responsive as you know he wasn't responding to me because he felt embarrassed that he wasn't able to just do what i'm like what i told him to do which we don't really tell people what to do but we do say like hey shoot for these macros track your food i mean it's very especially starting out we have kind of a plan of attack but within that there's a lot of intricacy but he just he's like i just don't know why i can't do this and i said to him I wouldn't have a job if this were, you know, mm -hmm. as easy as you think it should be. Mm -hmm. Everyone struggles in some way. Um, and then I had another client who had a an emotional eating event episode, uh, whatever you want to call it. And she said, I wasn't going to tell you, but I'm I'm glad I did. And I'm like, did it change for you once you told me? She was like, yeah, I just don't feel as guilty as, as I did before. And that I didn't even say anything about it. Mm -hmm. She just, the act of telling someone made her feel less shame, which I think will, could help stop the cycle of kind of the shame For sure. pattern, which is usually what can lead to emotional eating for some people. Yeah. I think that like emotional eating part is like huge in the openness area because I think people do feel a lot of shame and I always really appreciate when they are able to be like honest and be like I couldn't even track it because I don't know how much I ate and then like it's like okay like like just saying that it's fine like let's like work on some strategies for when it happens again or like reflect on like how you were feeling leading up to the event then you can like really help them versus not even knowing that it happened um and ending up like lowering their macros or whatever um, in response to like a lack of progress or whatever it might be. So yeah, I think that one in particular, I like understand how tough it is. And I really um, appreciate when people can be honest and open about it. I find even when people are open and honest about things that aren't related to nutrition that end up being kind of related, like, Hey, I'm going through a really bad breakup. Yep. Um, or I got broken up with, which can be embarrassing. I mean, I've been through that. Um, or whatever, whatever I'm struggling with being a parent right now. Like, not that I can necessarily relate, but sometimes just saying that and feeling like there's a safe space to share mm -hmm. can be huge for that person. And then on our end, it allows us to kind of back off a little bit or readjust. Not that we have expectations, but our approach with that person. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, this person is struggling. I'm probably not going to ask them next week, like, Hey, how come you're not hitting your macros? Cause mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. like it's because they're probably, you know, not eating or they just don't have the energy for it. So let's focus on things that might seem more manageable to them. I think the openness of vulnerability as hard as it can be is like huge in building that coaching relationship. Yeah. I mean, we live in a society where I think like heroic individualism is very rewarded, which mm -hmm. is just like, I have to do hard things and I have to do them alone. And there's an expectation that like you can do it all by yourself. And so there's a lack of sharing just like generally, I think in our, in our society, in our modern world. And, um, 
you know, the more you, you share with others, like when you're having a, a difficult time or whatever it is, like the lighter the load gets not to be super cliche, but Mm. it does. It just like takes a load off your shoulders. So yeah, that's a big one. Vulnerability. Mm. Yep. And then like when you mess up, like there's going to be some guilt, but so what? I don't know. I try to, I think we do a pretty good job making people aware that like, there's no expectation that you, that anyone does anything perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I think we've talked about this before maybe, but I would a hundred percent rather it be like some, some things be like kind of off in their logs or like they're struggling with something and then be open and talk to me about that. than it, everything appearing fine when it's not actually fine. Cause then like, what can we do? Yeah. I think the last thing I'll add to this is the, I mean, we've had client, I I think we've both, we've all had clients that have stuck around for over at at least two years. Um, and some of those people I've, I've never even talked to, like I've just text texted them. You know, I've had calls with certain people or met certain people along the way, but for some people like, I'm not in their life. Like I'm not, nobody knows who I am. Like they might say like, oh, my coach Alex and people might know who I am, but that can sometimes create a little bit of a safer barrier to share things. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not, you're not in my life. You're kind of this like outside party Mm -hmm. that I don't have to worry about what you think because I'm not going to see you tomorrow. Or like you might not, you're not going to say anything to my friends because you don't even know who my friends are. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's not necessarily a therapist situation, but it's, similar it's like i'm not in your life i'm i'm an outsider and i'm only on your side mm-hmm. i'm not going to be biased by your friend telling me their side of the story totally. i think that that can be helpful for some people too it's like safer um okay so the next one is communication and responsiveness and the way that we we coach is mostly text message based sometimes email um, and we'll speak about that. And then we'll have the odd phone call with clients if they feel that that's valuable. But I think we kind of avoid email and prior, like prioritize texting for a specific reason. And that's to increase the number of contact points and it allows for more free flowing communication. So we find that if someone's not a great texter or doesn't, you know, take the time to sit down even if it's text message, like take the 15 minutes to have a conversation. Like your coach is going to be fairly responsive during business hours, having a conversation where you can kind of go back and forth. Cause on our end, we're all about asking questions. So if, if it's like hours in between one question, it's like, this is rough. Then yeah, then you get, you get less from us, like just simply because there's less time to, Mm -hmm. to go over things. And then you get, a response like way later in the day it just yeah it just kind of breaks it up so I just think that as much as you can like we understand when um people are really busy or their jobs are like they can't look at their phone until a certain time or whatever like I think we're very accommodating to that um so yeah I think just like responding as soon as you can when you can it just helps the relationship a lot 
yeah, I mean, like, good clients don't ghost either. That was, is yeah. this the right is this the right time to say that? Yeah, I mean, again, like ghosting is, I feel like, the twenty twenty two standard for how you end relationships <laughs> or how you treat people, and it's really, really annoying. Um, so it's like even if you want to be done with with coaching or you know don't want to see my face ever again <laughs> pop up on your screen just like just say hey like it's been great getting to know you maybe not i don't know make something up just don't ghost i don't know why that's like such a thing but um yeah i mean one of the things that sets us apart from other companies is that it is a very much a relationship based and a communication heavy coaching method and it is kind of designed to stand in for like an in-person type situation where you get to have a conversation. Um, and it's just, it's difficult when, when that doesn't happen because it, it feels like you can never quite like even start to have a relationship or like, or get in, get a foot in the door. And oftentimes that correlates to a, um, a pretty short retention period with that client, which just means they're not going to get as much out of the coaching relationship as they, as they could. And sometimes, it's um you know it's it's job related um it's it's caused by things that are outside of their control and that's okay and other times you kind of just get the impression that it just is not the priority for someone like it's it's kind of the last thing that they want to deal with and so they let it be the last thing that they deal with um for the day and uh you know we have we try to be pretty flexible with people and be as responsible re- responsive as we can but if it's like if it's 8 p.m. and we're just hearing back from a, a client, like I'm I'm just not in a place anymore as a coach where I'm just going to like strike up a conversation with someone at 8 p.m. My time like it's just not um, it's not fair. It's not going to be a good conversation. I'm not going to be all in it. And um, yeah, it's just not not good. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like clients message me back at the end of the night because they know I'm not going to respond till the next day. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I don't have to face face this question today. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But maybe that's me just like having a bleak outlook sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have people, I work with a couple of like surgeons, doctors, and legit they're just, they're in surgery for like eight hours. And so I, I can't expect to hear back from them. But, but they, I have people who are quite good at saying, um, you know, if they do have to send a message late, they say, hey, I know it's late this is what happened today. I was in surgery. Um, don't respond to this until the next check-in day, but here's my update. And they just like, boom, 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 boom. They go through it. They know the information that they need to deliver so that we can have a productive conversation the next time I'm able to get them on the line mm-hmm. versus like 8 PM. Like, you know, yeah, uh, week is going good. Here's a random question, mm-hmm. you know, and that's all you get. Or not even a question. It's yeah. just like, Hey, good. <laughs> And it's 8 p.m. and you're like, okay, <laughs> good. Thank you. Yeah. So helpful. Yeah. Or like, haven't been feeling well. And then you're like, oh, no. Like, what kind of symptoms do you have? Like, how's your appetite? How's yeah. your sleep? Like, maybe we can kind of figure out what we can be doing while you're not feeling well. And then it's like, nothing. Yeah. Six like, hours cool, later. Cool. Yeah, my throat's a little sore. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any um, recommendations for that? The big takeaway here is like for... Um, clients it's like 
coaches are people too. <laughs> yeah. Coaches are people too. <laughs> we like we have it's our job, but we also have feelings. We're invested in clients. We want the best for each and every client. So like getting ghosted or getting treated like I'm just going to say it crap mm-hmm. just doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Be open. If you don't want to be in this relationship, say so. Mm-hmm. If if something's going on, say so. It just otherwise we are left wondering what's going on or if we have done something mm-hmm. because we're trying to be our best coaches. So it's like, it's, we look, at least for me, I look at myself. I'm like, Hmm, did I say something? Could I have done something different? But I, I never know mm-hmm. because sometimes clients just leave forever. They fall off the side of the earth. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And I think for too, those flatter, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't insult flat earthers. They have plenty of research and evidence. Right. Um, I think for some people starting, there's this expectation that we can look at food logs and just like magically have answers where it's like, yeah, we're going to look at what you're eating. But a lot of our ability to coach requires like, we have to know what's going on. Like we have to know, okay, I see, you know, what food looks like. I need to know now, like, how like how are your energy levels how are your like how's your mood how are you feeling in training how's your sleep like all of the things that are really important and that relies on a conversation it's not just like oh i i see that you replaced your your spinach with <laughs> kale. kale that's really great you know cuz kale has more um magnesium in it and that's probably helping with your sleep so i'm just going to assume that because you're eating kale you're now sleeping better okay bye good job <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's the huge key is that we can only get so much information from the log so we need a conversation so we need like yes that like back and forth in order to really help someone yeah i mean sometimes like i give thought to okay like like, how can we help people who just don't have time to have conversations or don't want to and so i like I kick around like, well, maybe we need to have a system where, you know, the client is putting in more data. They're putting in more of their own metrics. They're rating their sleep. But that's like, I think as soon as you do that, you create, it just becomes more difficult mm-hmm. for people who already might have difficulty just like logging their food or eating. Like you want someone to now eat well, log their food, record their hours per sleep or hours of sleep per night, define the quality of that, like like basically outline all of the stuff that we want to know about in a, what an app or some sort of a electronic system. I just don't think it would work. Like it wouldn't work. Yeah. And I think it's still, even if they could do that would require communication. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you're, you rated sleep as four. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. And then it's just like crickets. Yeah. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, that's the problem is it's still coaching requires a uh, good coaching anyways, requires the relationship it requires a communication like it has to be, you have to be able to take data and make it actionable for someone versus just taking data and collecting it. And that's, that's it. I mean, there's tons of apps that already do that. There's a whole, like, there's a whole industry that's built on that. You know, mm-hmm. consumer surveillance monitoring, whoop. Mm-hmm. What do people do with Whoop data? Nothing. They just collect it. There was an app that we tried out, and it basically each day you ranked a bunch of different biomarkers, I guess. A lot of it was qualitative. And I'm pretty good with tracking my food, tracking my weight, 
getting in my workouts, recording my results, getting those to my coach, get doing this thing every day to like actually think about all these different biomarkers, qualitative. I didn't do it. Yeah. I was like, I can't. I mean, it's too, it was a lot. Yeah. It seemed like. So to ask a client who's, yeah, like you said, already not very responsive due to time constraints or just not prioritizing this, asking them to do one more thing doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So next, 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 next trust, mm-hmm. trust the person you're hiring that I'm going to qual- qualify that there's a difference between being inquisitive and asking the question why and being a pain in the ass yeah (laughs) and being just super critical of everything and and or like saying like i okay i'm gonna do this though and then not really even having a conversation about that yeah i mean it's i've had these people before i don't really have them now but it's almost like they hired me just so that they had someone to argue with about nutrition i'm like what a what are we doing here? <laughs> and it's a lot of times it's um, men and <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, I'm like, don't oh, you have anything better to do with your money? But it's it seems to be a lot of and I don't know, like biohacking is really popular and it's really, really popular with men. Um, it actually is more popular with men. Yeah, yeah that's why I said that. <laughs> it is. I've noticed that. Yeah. Um, and. It's great. Like there's interesting data in that area. Um, Telomeres are really cool. (laughs) But, you know, a lot of people who seem to be very obsessed with biohacking also have diets that are just hot garbage and they don't sleep. So it's like, you know, I'm I'm never going to be a person who's like particularly interested in talking about biohacking. I don't care. Like, you know, maybe if you're doing everything like perfect and you're sleeping eight or nine hours, your diet's immaculate. Sure. But then at that point, I'm also not the right person to hire because I don't, that's not my area of expertise and I'm not interested in it. Mm. But people, yeah, I get a lot of, uh, you know, why aren't we doing this? Why am I not taking this supplement? Like, why am I not looking at fasting windows? Why am I not like, you know, and I'm like, bro, why are you sleeping five hours a night? Yeah, like why aren't you sleeping eight forward. hours a night? <laughs> yeah. um, so it's just kind of like. It's not even argumentative that the things that we recommend don't work because I don't think anyone could look at the the very basics of nutrition and lifestyle and say that's not worth attention. It's like what I find myself in arguments about most often is how much attention should be given to things other than the basic components of wellness by specific people based on where they are in their life. That's what I find myself in arguments with people over most most often. You did a post probably like a year ago now on trust, mm-hmm. the coach client, like trust aspect of a relationship. What was the, what was that? Can you remind me of what you wrote? If you remember, I wish I could remember to be honest, but okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm sure it was like somewhere along the same lines. It was like you, you hired this person or at least this like, method because when they when they like sign up with tactic they don't necessarily know who they're getting as a coach but they know that that coach is going to like be in the same like support the same concepts that are um communicated on the instagram page so i like yeah like if you signed up i assume that you've like been following the page usually for a while so you understand that like they really we really drive home 
um, like, I guess, covering the basics first. Um, so yeah, so it's like similar to Meredith, usually to what Meredith said, usually people say like, they get into the really nuancey, like nitty gritty stuff before they have the main things, um, sorted out. And so, yeah, I'm sure I said something about like, you're paying someone, you're paying a specific person to, uh, guide you down this path that you want. So why not just like go all in, give that person their trust. And then you can at least say that you have fully tried that method and like gave it your best shot. And then like, I'm sure there was, there'd be like an argument to be made about whether you actually did or not, but then you can like actually say that this didn't work for me. Yeah. I think like thinking back, I think we're all clients to a coach. Mm -hmm currently mm -hmm. and have been, I've been a client to many coaches in the past through athletics as like, like an athletic skills-based coach, a uh, performance coach, or I've had nutrition coaches. And each and every time I make sure that I hire who I think is going to be the best. And I have trust. And like, if I'm curious about a, a, an approach, I feel comfortable asking about that. And I'm comfortable with the response given. Mm -hmm. If I lose trust in that person, the amount of mental energy required to actually do what's asked of me, knowing that I'm not fully trusting this person takes, would take away so much from the actual doing that I would definitely get rid of that coach, mm -hmm. which I've never, has never happened. I've never like got into a situation where I don't trust the coach or their approach, thankfully. But if I did, it would be over. Yeah. Like I think as soon as you, you lose trust and confidence in the coach's capabilities or the relationship, then you have to move on. Um, and also just make sure you know who you're hiring. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to inquire first or have a call, like that's important because you're investing in yourself. Like, and you want to make sure that when you dive in, you're like diving all the way in and you're, you don't have, I don't know, one foot on one side of the fence and one foot on the other, mm -hmm. which has nothing to do with diving. But <laughs> anyways, um, <laughs> two different metaphors. It's fine. Um, Oh, and that's different than, I think, like you mentioned, asking why or being inquisitive. Because I don't, like, none of us mind that at all. I love explaining things. Like, why did I make that decision? Like, I have a few clients that are like, they'll say, like, I trust you. I just want to know what, like, what is your thought process behind this? And I'm like, great. I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you exactly why. Versus being like, I don't think that's a good idea. Or I think I'm going to try this. Or I need to cut my calories or whatever um because yeah then it feels like you're in an argument with yeah them. we had, i talked about this on a couple podcasts ago but i'll say it again because it's very relevant with our new following we are getting people who aren't necessarily in the crossfit or athletic community and they're coming with these really intense and strong like beliefs and values about nutrition it's like diet, very much diet culture. So mm -hmm. like, oh, carbs are bad or, you know, I'm eating too less and that's causing me to not be able to lose weight. All of these like just really bad misconceptions. And so they, they see us on Instagram. They're like, oh my gosh, this is so refreshing. They're telling me it just is easy and I can eat carbs and I can do all this. And it's really just about tracking my calories and figuring that out. And they'll tell me what to do and I'll just do it and I'll lose weight. And it's so attractive and it's so new. And then they come in and they question everything that you're saying because it's not, it doesn't align with what they know. 
It's like, but what you know has led you to this place where you're unhappy Mm -hmm. with your body composition, with your health, with your wellness, with your mindset. Like, why not just like try to just let that go and really trust something new? It's like sometimes new is scary, but if you never trust it, then you're stuck in the past. Nothing's ever going to change. And so that's another element of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I have. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was going to also, I was going to make sure to point that out. Great about minds it. think alike. <laughs> Alex, they sure do. <laughs> Lindsay, you're probably thinking that too, right? Yeah, same exactly. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next one. Okay, low ego. Embrace being bad at something. Well, yeah, and I, I think that uh, we're talking about ego specifically. I think there are a lot of people with like fragile egos out there and that's not, I'm glad you didn't say mostly men. (laughs) No, I know plenty of women who have fragile egos too, but it's hard for people like that to, to act, to accurately see themselves and understand like where they're at with their capabilities. And it's hard for people with fragile egos or ego problems to, um, accept like not being good at something. And so it's almost like they'll, you know, there's an initial struggle and then there's like, some outside factor that that pops up or it's you know it's the program or it's the coaching or something that is um you know by the way that they perceive it outside of their locus of control that is negatively impacting their ability to adhere to the program or get results or whatever and that the fact that that always pops up like prohibits them from ever really moving towards um whatever their goals are. So it's, they can't get up. People with ego problems can't get out of their own way for long enough to even begin to make changes. Well said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you, Alex. (laughs) Yeah. I think like if they assume that they already know something, like if I were to go, if I were to hire a nutrition coach again, I think like, I would be inquisitive, but I think I would also just really try to check my ego at the door. And again, it's like a trust thing, but just like be like, I think I know this already, but maybe like the way they say it or the way they teach it will like unlock something or help me in some way or help me think about it in a different way. So why don't I just like fully listen, like not skip over anything like in the plan because I think I already know it or whatever. Um and really try to get the most out of this that I can. Like, that's what I would try to do if I was, yeah, doing, like, picking up nutrition coaching. You're hired. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you see that. As a of, client of yeah. mine. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we see that a lot with people when they sign up. You get you get a lot in, in intake forms. They'll say, you know, I know a lot about nutrition or, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I just, like, I need someone to hold me accountable. Yeah. And that's... um but there's like, they definitely make sure to communicate that they are, at least they perceive themselves to be an expert in nutrition. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, you might be an expert in nutrition, but you're not an expert in behavior. Mm-hmm. Like you're not an expert in how to like actually make changes and those things go hand in hand. And t- like often those folks are very, very resistant to doing things outside of what they believe to be true, even though the way that they tend to operate by themselves like they know that it's prohibitive to like actually like moving forward Mm. it's interesting it is interesting isn't it (laughs) yeah um the next one number five 
is patience. And Meredith recently talked about this, like she noted it on a post about the, the, um, plateau of latent potential, plateau of latent potential and the, the thing about valley of disappointment, valley of disappointment. <laughs> sorry, it was tip of the tongue phenomenon. Um, and she mentioned active patients. Active so, patients or I'll like Meredith take it from here. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, gosh. My goodness. Okay, I'm gonna just put my microphone down and leave. Just hand that thing over. I'll 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 just I'm gonna let you I'm just gonna let you take it from here, Meredith. All right, Alex, I got it. Thank you. Wait, where are we at in the podcast? I just wanna make a note so I know where you need to cut that out. <laughs> yeah, so the idea um well it's kind of two different topics but like fundamentally like results tend to take longer than um people want them to or they expect them to and that's for a lot of reasons but it just is the way that it is and so we've talked about a number of times what patience actually means and patience is not just like waiting around for things to happen it's more of an active process it's like it's what you're actively doing while results are taking longer than you want them to and so i call it active patience um, I call it being aggressively patient and, um, you know, because without, without some doing, without some action, I think people would kind of get bored with, with the monotony of it and they want to make changes. It's like, well, this isn't working fast enough. So surely there's something else I could be doing that could either, you know, make things happen faster or at the very least be more entertaining for me. <laughs> and what's interesting is... So today I posted on Tactic a video that I shared it from Allie LeMay's page. She posted it last week. And it's just like, you know, some clips of her um, throughout her CrossFit journey specifically. But she started, she changed, decided to change her lifestyle. She was on a podcast. She's been on a few, yeah. Yeah, on our podcast. Yes. She um, was on it. So. so you can look for guest episodes, Al- Allison LeMay. I think she'd be back in the 50s or 60s probably. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. So I'll go find it. But anyway, she's been a client of mine for almost, that's great, like five years. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, she came to our wedding all the did. way from Vermont. From Vermont, yeah. <laughs> um, so she, yeah, she decided to to make a change eight years ago. And one of those changes was uh, going to a CrossFit gym. And that's been a pretty pretty important part of her life um, ever since then. And, and the visual changes for Allie are quite remarkable. And it's really like, it's tip of the iceberg. Like you can see her and like, wow, she lost so much weight. Um, but that's like, that that doesn't even tell the story. But anyway, so I posted that video on our page today and I, I just said, it's, you know, eight years. She has been at this for eight years. And kind of the, the moral of the story was like, the results that you want, like you have to be okay with the fact that those are going to occur on a scale of years and not on not weeks, not months. This is not a six month thing for most people. It's literal years. And the only way you really keep those results is when the things that you do to get them in the first place becomes like they become things that you just do. Like it's not, you don't actively have to try to go to the gym or try to fix your nutrition. Like you, you just make these decisions because they're, they're the decisions that you make now. Like that's your identity. And I got a DM, I put it in our story and basically said, you know, something about it. And you watch the video 
And I, and there's a, a DM that came through him tactic and it was this person that said, Oh, I was afraid of this. And I said, how come? And she said, years takes patience, you know, indicating I was, I was afraid that you guys were going to say that it takes a long time, that it's going to take years instead of weeks or instead of months. And my response back was like, well, time is going to pass no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like that's the, the crazy thing is people for some reason are not okay with the fact that, you know, progress does take years. But why is that? Like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Like, where do you <laughs> also, have to Also, time be? goes by fast. So fast. I mean, it wasn't long ago that I was like 20. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> really, it was like, it feels like it's been only two years. Yeah. Like, I'm only 22. That's what it feels like. Yeah, well, it's just, it's, I find that line of thought crazy. It's crazy. I mean, the only way that that makes sense is if, you know, if I say like, it's going to be years of like you doing something that you absolutely hate and you like, imagine, imagine someone who hates running. I'm like, the only way you can make progress is if you run and you have to run for eight years mm -hmm. and you have to like it. <laughs> then running probably isn't a good goal. Yeah. Whatever running goal. Just like find a different, find something else that you enjoy. But it's like, you can't, there's no way, there's no path where you get to both, you get to be both like a lazy fuck and also have <laughs> amazing results like that reality doesn't exist but also i'm gonna to say out. to her if you if you have like if you need to respond again or she's listening to this podcast it's not that like a lot of it's not like you do this there's not latent potential for eight years or 10 years or 12 years like you're gonna start seeing benefits in four or five six months even if it's not this drastic physical change or health change, like you will see change in six months. Mm -hmm. You will see change in a year. In three years, I mean, Ali LeMay probably had made a ton of progress in three years, again in six years, again in eight years. Like it's not, and there's no timeline. Like Ali's not done. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is just the beginning for her. I mean, really like the true progress curve is like, it's like that curve that we posted. So exponential. So there's like that lag and then it goes up. And then at some point it becomes asymptotic to some some upper limit like you just like it's like progress and gains and then you get old and you just got to try to hang on for <laughs> yeah you, you just try to maintain what you accomplished <laughs> happens around the age of 30 <laughs> or 40 Say 35. that's what the internet says <laughs> Not yet. hormones and stuff um but yeah and it's like you so ali she lost 100 pounds I mean, she, she's over 100 pounds and i think she she reached the 100 pound milestone like five years in, four years in, five years in, something like that. And it's not like she has kept losing weight. I don't, I wouldn't even say that there was like a rate at which she was losing body weight, but it's not like that continued, but like, it doesn't mean that she's still not making progress in other ways, but like, what are you just going to keep losing weight until you're like gone? Is that, I mean, there has to be some, which is crazy because some people, I like the rate of I weight change slows down because they're literally getting smaller and they're like, why? I don't yeah. know what's going on. I'm like, well, I just want you to like, can we just extrapolate this for a little bit? And I want you to tell me if you keep losing weight at this rate for the, the next one year, how much do you weigh? They're like, 68 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's, that's insane. People's heads, man. And I think, too, like, it, it happens so often where people set a goal weight, they hit it, and then they're like, okay, now I want to be 10 pounds lighter. So it's like, 
this is maybe not related to patience, but it's just like there has to be some enjoyment in how you get there because I don't think like achieving that goal is going to feel the way that you think it's going to feel, which we've talked about before with like goal setting and stuff. Yeah. Um, so then you get there. It doesn't feel how you want to feel. It doesn't feel how you thought it was going to feel. So then you set another, another goal and you get there and it still doesn't feel that way. And again, like there's nowhere where else to go. So I don't know where I'm going with this, but you have to enjoy the yeah. like the process. Otherwise, the like the goal just keeps the goalpost keeps moving. Yeah, and it's like the, or the, the actual... goalpost goes away, and then you're just lost. Yeah, which but I yeah. think yeah. is kind of what you're saying. Yes, yeah, because that like arrival fallacy starts to kick in, and you're like, well, this doesn't feel as way. good as when I set the goal, and you realize like, and if you're I guess self-aware enough, you probably start to realize like it's the setting of the goal that is enjoyable for me, not the achievement of it and not the process. So I need to find something that's like actually enjoyable to do so that you, you get to stop with the like, okay, I'm going to do this next. And like, I know I didn't finish that, but now I'm going to do this. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I mean, we all know those, those people. Yeah. I think there's like, it's there, there's a difference between, I want to get to 150 pounds versus like, I want to be healthy and like be comfortable with my, but I know that's comfortable with my body composition or it's like, that's loaded, but it's very similar to saying like, I want to start running and like, I want to be a really good runner versus I want to run a marathon. So like what happens after you run a marathon, you just go back to what you were doing before. Like what was the point of doing the marathon then? But if you, if your goal is to be a runner, to the point where you can like just run a marathon and then you continue running. I feel like that's a little bit more productive. Same with like being healthy. That's like, I want to be healthy. That's a, like a very long-term goal. Maybe you say, I'm going to put four months of coaching, commit to four months of coaching to, to learn what I need to do to continue to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. So maybe patience, maybe to bring it back to the the topic of patience in this, like in that way, patience is what you do while you kind of like adopt and live into a new identity versus like, you know, someone who just wants to run a marathon and they run the marathon and then they stop. Like arguably that's a very impatient person. And I don't think that person gets to say I'm a marathoner. Like, no, you ran a marathon. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who, you know, maybe you run a marathon and you're like, hell yeah, I like that. I love the process of training for it. I'm going to keep running. That's a marathoner. And they, there's patience in that. There's patience in, in adopting that mindset and adopting that identity and it's um, easier to be patient when it is just part of who you are. And you exactly. there, 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 I would argue like that there's not even like an element of patience yeah. anymore. You're so in the process. It's like you're almost, for me, it's like, I want the next day to come. Yeah. Like I'm impatient to like keep working on this. Mm-hmm. What are you, in what ways in life, here we go, tangent. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> would you say that you struggle with patience? Snatching. Snatching. Yeah. I would say for me, like on the topic of running, I'm not impatient there because I I love running. And I'm like, if I never got better at it, I would be okay with that. Cause I I genuinely love doing it every day. Same thing with working out. I would say business maybe more so. Business. Business. I'm like impatient. Like I want 
the business to grow and there's some months where it doesn't or it's like I don't know it's going to happen and it's hard for me to be patient. Even though I know I'm, I'm still in it each and every day doing exactly what I have to do to what I think that needs to be done to grow the business. But it's hard because it's like, oh, I just want it to keep growing. Like there's a lot of factors and it's, it's like I just I wish it was linear, linear mm-hmm. growth. Every month it went, it goes up a certain number of you know, clients or income or followers or whatever measurements there are. You wish it were predictable. I, I do. Mm. And, but all you can do is say, what do I have control over that's working, worked in the past? Or maybe we meet with a mentor and see what else we can do. So that's me. Hmm. I also think I'm also, I'll, I don't want to talk too much about this, but I'm also like trying to lean out a little bit for running for performance. And I know that this takes time, but I'm like, every day I hit my macros and I'm like, I get on the scale. I'm like, I want the scale to go down because I've got this goal. But I also know that it takes a lot of time. Like it could take two months to get to my goal. What if the, um, would you feel differently if the significant digits on the scale were different? Like if it were sensitive enough to go out to the hundredth instead of the tenth. And so it's like, you know, 140 point four four and then the next day is 140.42 but it wouldn't even be like that because it still goes up and down by like a pound every couple days because it's never going to be linear yeah it's difficult even though i see this day after day with my clients and i tell them day after day like weight loss is not linear so what you need is a and also my weight loss goal is based i I don't even want to say weight loss it's based on performance where i was around when i ran boston i just just, guys I just had it like, (laughs) this is not, I just, this is, I just had a legitimate million dollar idea and I can't believe I'm going to say this on the air, but we need to come up with a scale that's blinded and it only gives you your average weight at the end of the week. So you get on the scale every day and it's like, thank you for your weight. Mm -hmm. You don't get to see it. You get on the scale the next day. Thank you for your weight. You don't get to see it at the end of seven days. You get to see a weight. You do it again the next week. At the end of the next seven days, it's stop. Not, let me sure you get to see like an average. It's yeah. still going to fluctuate, especially for females. But it's going to fluctuate less. You could set it on a monthly interval. And it won't have the daily impacts on people experience. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I, I have to write this down. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will go back to me. Talking about me. <laughs> At least I know enough. Logically, it won't send me into a tizzy. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, my weight went up a pound. It doesn't matter. This is normal. It's okay. For some people, that just isn't the case. They can't talk themselves out of it. It's not working. I should quit. Or my coach is an idiot. Whatever it may be. You suck, Alex. (laughs) You're fired. Um, But anyway. um, Three months later. I need to come back. (laughs) (laughs) What is... And I just want to qualify this. I'm not like... I don't need to lose weight. It's perform... Like, sometimes when you... You can have a performance based goal that's weight related. Yeah. You were a little lighter for Boston and I think that had a positive impact on your run. Yeah. And I just want to do that again. And I'm, it's like, yeah. Anyway, Meredith, what are you impatient about? Lines. Any line. Like waiting in a line? Like a queue? Yes. (laughs) Any, if there's a way, like if there's a a line and then there was like a VIP line and it's like, you, you can pay $50 and skip that line every single time I would do it. (laughs) Every single time. And like $100, I would do it. 
Like, if there is a way to not wait in a line and expedite, like, can I, if I can fast pass my life, I'm going to do that. Like the people at Starbucks that wait in the drive-thru <laughs> instead of just going in and there's, like, no one in the store. It's like, I just can't get, handle that. Just get out of your car. <laughs> get out. Yeah, lines. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just, like, it. It they're very unpredictable. You never know when there's going to be a line. And I always find that they there's a line at, like, the worst possible time. When you, like, have to go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. line. <laughs> the line at red rocks at that bathroom i was like this is outrageous <laughs> i was looking around i was like surely there's like a, a vip no okay <sighs> i hate it it's horrible but what about like in life i like mean more more on the topic of <laughs> of coaching and like <sighs> long-term goals my long-term goal is to make enough money where i can pay my way out of any line <laughs> Like, I don't know why that's like an irrelevant. It, that's it. A VIP, everything. Okay. Um, in life, probably, um, I would say sometimes I'm a bit impatient with my ability to learn things. Like, I wish that like, I could just like watch a tutorial video on like Adobe After Effects and like immediately understand it. But I can't. So it's like I it's like the committee like I know I have to commit to like hours and hours and hours to like learn something new that is eventually going to be useful and I sometimes have a hard time with that. But you stick with it usually. I do because we don't have anyone else that works for us that knows how to use <laughs> Adobe After Effects. It's got to be me. But also I find it really enjoyable. It's like an intersection of I'm going to go on a tangent here. Um <laughs> poor Lindsay's like why am I here? <laughs> the um I find the most enjoyment for me anyways is figuring out creative ways of delivering information like scientific nutrition, behavior change, that kind of thing. And for me, like, like figuring out how to use software, how to edit videos, how to put it out there. Like it's the intersection of two things that I love, which are our science and like working with people on nutrition and like technology and creativity. So it's like, it's the perfect junction for me, even though it's extremely time consuming, but I find a lot of like fulfillment in that, part of the work even more so like more more, like more every day i i enjoy that part of it whereas like i think some people are just way more into the coaching or way more into learning about like the more groundbreaking and upcoming science and like that's i enjoy that stuff but i'm like how can i make it into a video (laughs) you know yeah so Lindsay, Mm -hmm. when you say you're impatient with snatching Mm -hmm. if you have like a bad snatch day and you only snatch what's your max like 170 165. 165. So if, if one day you only, you're ma- you max out, like say on your program, it says like hit a max, max single. And you, for some reason that day, you only hit 155, mm-hmm. which I'm sure has happened to you. 100%. Do you quit or do you, like, what do you tell yourself to keep going back? Do you get mad at your coach? Like, mm-hmm. what's your thought process and how do you show up the next day? Yeah. Yeah. So I think like in, general i'm like pretty good at being patient as far as like the overall like goal of where i want to go in crossfit but with snatching specifically because it hasn't moved for so long and because i know it's this like particular hole that like just at minimum it's just not there and so yeah i think i like it with it in particular i just get so frustrated but if i I have enough (laughs) patience and like ability to like look at it objectively to know 
that if I'm maxing out and I hit 155 instead of 165, that it's okay and I'm going to come in again the next day and I'm going to keep trying and I'm going to talk to my coach about it and we're going to like talk about what I can be doing. Like I actually had this conversation today and I'm going to do like a month of focusing on Olympic lifting and I'm going to go see a coach again and stuff for it. Um, so I think like for me and maybe for, for anyone struggling with patience is, is recognizing that frustration and then coming up with a plan that you feel good about. And like, that's such a benefit of a coach is like, they'll tell you if you're just not being patient enough. And so you can trust them or, and then if there's something else, they can help you, uh, figure out like a solution. Like my coach today was, was like, yeah, like, why don't you try going to see another Olympic lifting coach? And maybe there's like some technique thing that you can figure out. Um, and then that really helps me be patient. Like I feel really good about that now. And I feel like, and maybe there's like some expectation tied to that, that like, okay, I'm going to do this and now I'm going to get better at snatching. But there's also like, I also just want to like at the end of it all say that like I I tried everything. Like mm-hmm. even if my snatch doesn't improve, um, that I like, I think it's like worth trying. So I can at least say like, I really gave that a shot. Do you ever find yourself saying the word I should, I, the words I should? Yes. Like I should be able to snatch what this person's snatching yeah. or I should be able to snatch 180. Yep. I'm like very aware of it too. And I know I hate it when like other people say it. Like, what do you mean you should? And you guys have talked about this before too. Like wh- based off what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I get that. There's this YouTube, this is attention to, there's this YouTube video of this. It's called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Have you seen it? No. You should watch it. It's so funny. Anyways, they're like, he's literally just a shell with shoes on and people, and he's talking and he's like, <laughs> people say my head's too big for my body and I say compared to what <laughs> that's what I think about when people say they should be somewhere um, so anyways yeah I think like I catch myself doing it I'm not like yeah I'm not I I do say it and then I'm like I think of Marcel the shelf shoes on because <laughs> um, yeah you should be where you are yeah yeah yeah, it's tough. I think it's almost human nature to yeah. compare, to have expectations in all aspects of life. I mean, I have expectations of friends and family to to behave a certain way, to think of my feelings in certain circumstances, but you know, they should have or I should be all these things. I think that's totally normal and natural, but I think catching yourself and realizing like saying that or thinking that isn't helpful mm-hmm. and instead thinking critically about what you could be doing differently. Mm-hmm. So, that's cool. I think um yeah, that that's humanizing. Mm-hmm. Um, my my last thing I'll add to patience is coaching, gym memberships, uh, natural paths, doctors, whatever. A lot of that stuff costs money, and a lot of the goals around health and wellness take time. And so my advice would be like invest in yourself, but make the most of the investment. <laughs> So for instance, coaching, like if you're going to invest for six months of coaching, make sure that you're understanding like, and, and, and putting in an effort to learn so that you can set yourself up for long-term success. Like we try with our clients to, to create an, 
an environment where there's learning, for example, we love tracking because it's a learning tool. But if somebody falls into the trap of thinking that tracking is is going to get you success, it's not. Like mm-hmm. I have tons of people who are, uh, or I've had people who have tracked and not had success. But it's like, well, are you tracking accurately? What are you, like, is tracking, are you just logging what you're eating? Like what is tracking doing for you? Is it changing your habits? That's just one example. Um, and so like long-term success requires like the willingness to learn. Oh, I'm going into the next one, Mm -hmm. but, um, requires like, yeah, active patience and, and then the educational aspect, which brings us to the next one, Mm -hmm. which is willingness to learn. Yeah. Uh, which I think starts with admitting, like acknowledging what you don't know. Like you don't know what you don't know, being okay with that. And then, the, the difference, I think, in, in learning versus being um, patient or um, vulnerable, which are more, even though we're talking about patience in a more active way, it is still a more passive activity. And, you know, being vulnerable certainly is, learning requires, um, it, it requires effort. There's, a, there's a, an aspect of it that's just inherently difficult because it's, like you're you're operating outside of what you know and what your your current experience is and potentially what you even believe or what you have believed and so there's an element of uh of difficulty with with learning and some people just take longer but learning um and this is the i think the the important part of what we do and what any good nutrition program does is there's always going to be an an element of education to it because you know for for so long and even now i wouldn't say it's gotten any better the nutrition industry is kind of, it relies on smoke and mirrors and on ambiguity and on confusion because like fundamentally uh, companies don't always want customers to know what's going on because then they won't come back when the company releases some new version of what is what they're doing. Like they, they want people to have results. They don't want people to understand how or why they're having those results because then they could potentially theoretically go forward on their own and you know live happily ever after which is i think like from a moral and ethical standpoint probably on the wrong side of that line um but willingness to learn simply you know that it that's that's a prerequisite for being able to take the training wheels off at some point like leave the nest go forward like we don't want customers for life even like I say that and I have clients for years and I love them, but like, we don't want people to rely on us because without us, they don't know how to continue. To have yeah. Success. We want people to pay us because they love talking to us, mm-hmm. not because they need us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think too, just to touch on tracking as like part of a willingness to learn. Like I think one of the reasons that we, suggest tracking is because it is such a learning tool and it's so valuable when a client just starts out and they've never tracked before and they log everything that they've been eating just to see where they're at and then they learn they're like oh I I actually eat a lot of fat and not very much protein and just like that awareness is such a key first step Um, so yeah I think just tracking itself really fits into that that willingness to learn and not that we're like pushing people to do this forever. It's just like such a valuable teaching tool. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes people will ask like, well, where do you think I, on the internet, 
like on Instagram, which I'm like, why are you asking this question? I don't know anything about you. <laughs> where should I start for macros? Like I, I know I need to change my, my nutrition and I don't know where to start. And my response is always like, start tracking what you're eating right now. Yeah. Start there. Start with what you're doing because it's way easier to say, okay, this is my current diet pattern. And then make changes based on what you're currently doing versus trying to just flip the whole thing on its head. That's so hard. Like at least if you if you have, if you know where you're starting, and that's a good part of the scientific method and of education, then you can just pick off the low hanging fruit. You can say like, well, I'm eating a lot of fat because I'm eating fatty meat, so I'll just swap my, you know, my 80% ground beef for 90%. I'll buy chicken breast instead of chicken thighs. I'll keep an eye on the fish that I select. I'll stop snacking on nuts. Like, okay, we're gonna remove some fat from the diet. Let's see how that goes. Let's make that change and then see what happens. And then decide if we want to add in a layer of complexity because like maybe that has the intended effect. And you do that until it doesn't work. And then you say, okay, like what do I want to happen next? Yeah. Which because, again and now is, you objectively understand how the changes that you made impacted where you went. Uh, which again is so much more valuable than uh, like a meal plan. Like you don't learn anything by just being told exactly what to eat and so then you're either on it or you're off it and you don't know what to do if you're off of it like what if you're on a meal plan and it's like your mom's birthday mm -hmm. well you know exactly what happens like it's like well my mom it was my mom's birthday and i had one slice of cake and then i didn't know what to do so i just said fuck it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know that's the problem with meal plans it's like yeah. well there's a there's a reality where you can just like a enjoy the day don't worry about it but you can there's certainly a reality where you can have cake and it will probably fit just fine in your day mm -hmm. but yeah. if it's not on the meal plan like how do you know mm -hmm. yeah like the the goal of our, our program isn't to and i think i'll touch on this because i think there is a preconceived notion when some people come in that the goal is to track mm -hmm. but really tracking is it's this light that shines onto your life that helps you understand like, okay, what's going on? So, and what I mean by that is like, why didn't you track this weekend? It's not like, oh, I'll track this week. Don't worry. It's why didn't you track? How come tracking didn't happen? And some people are like, I forgot. Some people it's like, I am for some people the answer is like, I'm a shit show. Mm -hmm. And then that allows you to say like, did like, let's talk about prepping. Like, it's not that you track or don't track or you track and you make progress. It's like tracking is the result of a culmination of little habits that you have, like um, strategies and a foundation of good behavior that allows you to log your food and have results. So it's like tracking isn't correlated with success. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like an indicator. It's an, Yeah, it's yeah. an indicator Proof that you're doing all of the things that need to be done. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of people out there who have success and don't track. Yeah, and if tracking, if your answer is like, I don't want to track is like seeing the numbers really messes with my head or I, I, I just can't be on my phone all the day, all, like during the day, then tracking isn't for you. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that like all the things that you need to do to track don't have to happen either. Mm -hmm. Like the fundamental pattern is the same. The, the diet pattern's the same. The behaviors are the same. Like whether you, you choose to track them or not is totally personal. We like we find that people who who track their macros tend to just understand a little bit quicker like what their patterns are versus someone who it's it's difficult if you don't know a lot about nutrition, which a lot of people don't, 
for like for me to say, okay, we're going to do a structured eating plan. Like I want to see protein, carbs, vegetable, healthy fat, like someone who doesn't know anything about nutrition, I can show them the picture of like what a plate should look like, but it's, it's hard to put that into practice Mm -hmm. versus macros, which just allows you to like, like quantitatively see what's in the food that you're eating. Even if you visually don't quite understand like what that is going to look like on a plate yet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think too, like with like to go back to like the coaching aspect of this tracking, and coaching just allows you to see yourself like through someone else's vantage point. So like Alex said, like, you know, it might be because you're a shit show and like, there's nothing wrong. I'm a shit show. Like if I, if I went to a coach, like a, a behavior coach or life coach or whatever, they probably went, Mary, you're kind of a shit show. Like, like you're, you're not doing things during your day. Very validated that you want to do because you're not doing a good job organizing your time. And like deep down, I probably know that. I mean, I'm saying it, so I understand it, but like you get that objectivity from a coach and tracking macros and working with a coach is a really important part of, of like seeing yourself because it's, it's difficult. Like if I didn't have you, if I didn't have a coach, if I wasn't working with someone, I could probably just go through life feeling like I'm doing perfectly fine when in reality there, because I want to improve and because I want to be, you know, a, a good athlete and a a successful business owner and just like a, a good person, like I'm able now to identify certain holes in my personality. I don't think it's my personality, just the way I live my life that mm-hmm. I can improve on if I want to, or I can say like, you know what, that's just the way I am. And I accept that. Yeah. But if you, you don't know what you, again, you don't know what you don't know. And working with a coach allows you to, to see yourself from someone else's point of view which is extraordinarily valuable yeah um it would be like if i see a client who comes in kind of what Lindsay said and they're just tracking i don't say your protein's only at 60 grams let's get that up to 140 mm-hmm. and kind of expect them to just like do it and track it it's like your protein is at 60 grams like i'm noticing you don't have any protein in lunch is that because you know, you're out and about, is it because you don't prep your food? And then they'll say like, Oh, I I never have any leftovers or I never have food prepped. And then you can start talking about the habit of food prepping or making different decisions when you're out and about, it goes back to those habits or behaviors. What's in your control. Like the numbers aren't really in your control, but like the things that get you to those numbers are Mm -hmm. hopefully I'm explaining this. I feel a little miscombobulated. (laughs) Miscombobulated. (laughs) I thought you were handing over your mic. (laughs) Okay. Last one. You guys can take this one away. I talked a lot on the last Um, one. So Lindsay, talk a little bit about the seventh pillar of being self-motivated and taking personal responsibility. Uh, Yeah. So I think like we can suggest things all day, but we can't do any of it for the client so the client has to i guess recognize again that they're in the spot that they're in um for a reason and then take the suggestions of the person that they hired us um and like put them into into actual action um and kind of recognize that um (laughs) 
I guess any, I guess you just want them to be really like self-aware and to know that like a lot of things happen due to their personal choices um, and that they, they did have control over like things that, that led up to, so like say like they didn't hit their macros or they didn't get their workout in or something like that. Like just taking um, that on and like objectively seeing that they had something to do with that and they weren't just a victim of their circumstances um, and that hiring a coach isn't going to just like magically fix everything. They actually have to be an active participant um, in the goal and in the journey um, is really, really important and valuable. Agreed. Have you ever had a client, talk about the difference between having a client who's very, self-motivated and autonomous and a client that you feel is is doing it for the coach for you have you had that experience before yeah I think like uh some clients will be like I'll get the question like can you look at my logs did I do good today and I'm like well I feel like you can answer that (laughs) like (laughs) like you know um or like with the progress photo thing like do you see a difference? Um, which I like understand where that question's coming from. Um, because it is hard to like objectively look at yourself. Sometimes you can't see the differences, the changes. Um, but I guess, yeah, it's just a little bit more of like a reliance on, on me. And I don't necessarily, again, want to like, um, encourage being like super hypercritical of, of like, the photos are like physical changes. So that one's like a tough one, but I think um, mostly, yeah, just that like uh, the, like, can you look at my logs thing and like, tell me if I'm doing a good job or like, am I doing a good job type thing? Um, or like, I didn't hear back from you in time. So I made like a silly decision I don't yeah. know like um so I did this because I didn't know what to do um yeah I think that just like there's too much reliance on the coach to to tell you exactly what to do or to kind of uh yeah do it for you when instead of like that willingness to learn and willingness to to take it on on your own yeah I definitely also I have clients though like on that note where I feel like I'm always hearing about things after the fact, like it's not even, they don't even try to reach out to like to have a conversation about certain difficulties or certain like events that they're trying to work through, uh, travel, you know, things that can present roadblocks from a nutrition standpoint. It's a lot. It's like, I hear about it the next day or the next check-in, like, you know, well, I traveled and I was in the airport and there's no good option. So I just blew, like blew up my fat and da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, and I'm thinking like, we could have, we could have had a conversation about this on Monday. I could have been probably helpful mm-hmm. in helping you come up with a, a plan that was going to be like workable instead of like you, you then got into a situation where you just totally blasted your macros because you were frustrated that there weren't any good options. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have people who it's, it's just, it's that over and over again. It's like, I'm always just like, it's retroactive and it's like, 
I'm not going to punish you. Like, I'm not going to tell you like, oh, that was so bad. Like, you can't do that again. Like, mm. which is, I, I feel like some people want that. Like they want criticism. They, mm. they want like a harsh reality. They want a coach to be hard on them. Uh, but I'm like, well, that's not good. That's not good coaching. And it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm, that is not me. Like, I'm not Jillian Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you can hire her, but if that's what you need, figure it out. Yeah. Um, versus like, I am here to facilitate productive conversation so that you can, like, you can uphold the commitments that you're trying to make to yourself. That's it. It's like a facilitator mm-hmm. versus in, you know, it's like constantly seeking praise from coaches or trainers. Like, I also, we work with people who have personal trainers and sometimes people who like they just started in a gym for like two weeks and they're like, my personal trainer says he can like he sees more de- definition in my deltoids. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's no point. Like it's been two weeks and your personal trainer is saying that because he wants you to keep paying him. Yeah. Like it's just it, again, like I, I think that there are many, many ethical lines that get crossed in fitness and nutrition. That's like personal trainers cross them all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like someone can send me a progress picture and yeah, it's going to be like, well, how do you like, how do you feel about this? Like, what do you see? What are you feeling like in conjunction with this progress photo? Like, what are some of the things that you're noticing with your training, with your energy levels? Like, you know, it's never going to be like, yeah, I can see more ab def- definition. Like mm-hmm. you're looking, you know, the the best I ever do is like, you're looking really strong. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's the, that's my, the best I do is like, how are you feeling? Yeah. And like, I'm glad you feel amazing and you're happy. I'll say good job. I'll say, yeah, you look strong. It's performance based. Yeah. But yeah, it's I'll, the most, an example of my most successful clients Friday morning, either I see a message from them at seven or 8am, which they know is when I kind of start work saying, Hey, I have something going on this weekend. It's my sister's kid's birthday, my niece's birthday, and there's going to be a lot of cake and there's going to be snacks. And I'm really worried. I'm thinking of doing this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a big meal before I go so that I don't end up hungry. I'm going to bring bubbly water. I'm going to bring a veggie platter. So I have, I know that there'll be a good option for me and I'm going to limit myself to one half slice of cake. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a really good balance for me. And I'm like, that is amazing. Yes. Or like, Hey, what's wrong with having a full slice of cake? It's your favorite cake, whatever Mm -hmm. you talk about that. Or they'll say, I'm really worried about this birthday party I have to go to. Um, Can we talk about it? It's like, yeah, what will success look like for you? And then they have to think ahead. Like, how will I feel at the end of the day? How, like, what will make me feel good about my decisions? And then they kind of have to backtrack. It's like a mental exercise Mm -hmm. really makes them think. Another example is I'll say, Hey, what do you have going on this weekend? And again, the most successful client will tell me what they have going on. A unsuccessful client will either ghost me or they'll say, not sure. Yeah. Not much. much. Not much. (laughs) And it's like, and then, yeah, on Monday, it's like, well, I went out to this concert and it's like, well, why didn't you tell me? I wasn't just asking about your weekend because I I, think that's what people I want to know if you're going on a date. Like, (laughs) I I want to know so that we can plan for this. It's like, why I'm checking in with you on Friday. And then Monday can be like a postmortem, hopefully not in the negative (laughs) sense, but like, let's talk about this. Was it successful? If it wasn't, that's okay. Mm -hmm. What could we do differently in the moment? Do you feel like you could have made a different decision? Whatever the conversation. Um, but yeah, the, like after, uh, like we get that from performance-based athletes too. It's like, I bonked on my 20 mile run. It's like, I didn't even know you're doing a 20 mile run. I ran a race this weekend. What? I could have helped you. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, 
but the clients that are really proactive and like using me and that and allowing me to help them, those, those always end up being the most successful, whatever their goals are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, someone, another example is a good one is I'll say on Monday, like, how are you feeling about the week ahead? And to say, do you want to set a couple small goals? There's the client that says, sure. What are you thinking? Versus, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe this, this, and this, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Or I'll say, if someone says, what do you think? I'm like, well, I'm going to ask you what you're thinking. And they're like, well, I don't know. Aren't you supposed to be the one setting goals? No, (laughs) I can't set your goals. I'm not, I don't live your life. I mean, I could say your goals based on my lifestyle and trust me, you don't want that. (laughs) But well, maybe for most people, but anyways, like it's, there's just like a proactiveness in their trajectory and knowing themselves and teach and like being open, like humoring me, mm-hmm. like, Hey, no, you set your goals. Don't I roll. Mm-hmm. And if you do at least play along, mm-hmm. but I find those to be the most successful. There's a lot of like self like responsibility, personal radical, responsibility, radical responsibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's huge. And I think there's a way to cultivate that in clients. Like if they're, if they understand, okay, this isn't going to be just me being told what to do mm-hmm. and they come around to it, there's, a really good chance that they're going to have success. It's the people that are very resistant to that, mm-hmm. um, that you, that you tend to struggle with. But yeah, when they're like open to the question, well, what do you think? And then they're like, actually like, Oh, what do I think? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I like, start every conversation with like, Hey, I, I noticed you started tracking. How's that going? Have you noticed anything? Yeah. And that's like immediate, like, okay, you have to look at yourself. And I think that gets it going, but mm-hmm. well, yeah. And it kind of relies like, I mean, like we talked about with Meg, like self-determination theory, like relies heavily on, on two things that, that I think are especially important in nutrition. And that's autonomy, which is feeling like you have some control over, you know, the, the trajectory and, and the decisions that are being made and then competence, which is that like, you feel like you have it within your ability. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to reach outside of your comfort zone or outside of your ability, but like striving is done intelligently and it's done to to push you to learn and to improve but not push you all the way into f- to failure and so that's why like i could like we could set goals for people but that's probably not going to make them feel very competent because they're going to fail at them because it's not n- not 100 of the time but it's very likely if someone else sets your goal for you that it might be too hard mm-hmm. and that's going to affect like your feeling of competence it takes away autonomy in the decision making process which people may not even realize is is important but it is important and so without having to explain that to every single client like that's why it's always a lot of questions it's always a lot of like well, what do you think what would make you feel successful how did that go this weekend like do you feel confident in your ability to to stick with that commitment and it's just it's to build comp like competence build confidence while also like allowing for a great deal of autonomy in the decision-making process as a whole. Yeah. Agreed. Um, to wrap this up, I think to end on a really positive note, most people that we work with are all, all these, Mm -hmm. I think most of our clients do see success. I was asked a question the other day, an inquiry email came through and said, what's your success rate? What would you, let's do, what would you say your success rate is? I don't know. <laughs> but also how do you even define, how yeah, you define it success? It, it took like me a second. I really had to thing. think about that question. Yeah. I said a hundred percent. 
Because I think every single person, whether they last for two weeks or they last for two years, they learn something. Yeah. They learn something. And I think that's success. I don't think it's like, you know, did they achieve their goal weight? That's that's not how I rate success. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, it's a moving goalpost for a lot of people. And most people we work with realize like, eh, weight doesn't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. It's about how I feel. It's about performance, whatever. But yeah, that was like an interesting question. And I do think we, tr- we as coaches try to cultivate all of these pillars as well. You don't have to come in um, with them. I mean, you don't have to come in being ready to open up your entire life to one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think creating a safe space, it's, it takes two. And I think that's the pillar. Those are, these are also pillars of good coaches as well. Yeah, I, agree. I think that all applies the reverse direction. hundred percent. Cause it's, it's a hard way to coach. Like some days I just want to tell people what to do and move on with my day. But mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> let's talk. What do you want to do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's like, cause I can see, I can, I can very easily see for people. If you would just do this one thing, it would probably work really well, but it's no good in telling people that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough job, but it's fulfilling Mm -hmm. and you get better at it the more you do it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think most people who, who sign up, like I said earlier, investing in yourself and wellness is not cheap. And most people who sign up are ready to do it. And that's really fun for us it's like you we get people who are like let's do this mm-hmm. and that's yeah i think it's easy the last thing i'll say is like it's easy to get caught up in those people that kind of like grind your gears mm-hmm. but for the most part there's not that many people out there like that at least not signing up with us oh maybe you're a person who's like i want to be that person <laughs> then you'll sign up yeah <laughs> I just want to be that <laughs> yeah that's cool. This has been really great. Um, really quick, Lindsay, what uh, – I, I just want to go back to the success rate thing. I'm not going to make you name a number. We all know it's 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 100. I'd say maybe but 99. At the end of the day, I mean, you have clients that you've had for a really long time just like we do. But, like, what what makes a successful client? Like, it's – like, qualitatively, what – how would you define success for someone? Um, yeah, I think just really like adopting either like a different or an evolved mindset around this like new lifestyle that they're trying to create, um, and how to integrate it in like all times of their lives and like when they can push a little bit harder and when they can come back and like I think of the ones that have been with me the longest it's like they all have had success in like I think they're almost all like weight loss type clients the ones that I'm thinking of they have had that like weight loss and whether they're like exactly at their weight goal now or not they've they've just like adopted so many like different things into their lives and like again with like the openness we talk about things coming up um and how we want to handle it and sometimes that means like not tracking at all and sometimes that means like like it's always just like moving and like thinking about what we're going to encounter and how we're going to like fit this like new kind of like lifestyle that they've adopted in the last like two or three years into what they're doing now 
So I guess it's kind of like an adaptability and like a commitment to this new, newish like lifestyle. Yeah, I, say. I like that. I I once heard or read or I don't think I came up with this, although I wish I did. Just like to stay, like to to move on to a different, like a new path, or to like start striving towards a goal requires kind of a rigid commitment to what that goal is, and then like that's what it's required to get onto the path. But to stay on the path requires a great deal of like flexibility mm-hmm. and it's a very dynamic process. So I think when you can, like you said, when you get people to like lean into that and accept it, that's a really like good feeling. It applies to any goal, like mm-hmm. performance goal, weight loss goal, health goal. I noticed that too, like going or I think about it a lot too, like going through like a CrossFit or like a competitive kind of journey, like how it looked when I started versus like how it is now and how you're like okay like I I live here now I'm with this person now and like I'm doing this all this now and how do I fit it in yeah now but I'm committed to doing it so I find a way to do it yeah um and I think that's what those people do they find a way well it also works with it doesn't push other important things out of your life because I think there are people who don't do a very good job with that training and CrossFit remain like the number one, the thing, very rigid. And as a result, like their life, the rest of their life suffers. Yeah. yeah I think I've you're doing a really good job. Thank you. You're <laughs> wow. You guys great. This conversation was incredible. It encompassed it really a good. lot. I could sit here all day and just keep talking. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I made sense about 65% of the time, which is <laughs> yeah. higher than my usual 50%. <laughs> PR on Lindsay, why are you laughing? You're supposed to say no. Oh, I was thinking of myself. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I really kind of lost it there for a sec. (laughs) If you gathered over 50% of that and we were somewhat coherent, you won. You win. (laughs) If you made it to this point in the podcast and you're a client of ours, send us a blowfish emoji (laughs) the next time you check in. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you for coming on again. Thanks for having me. And tolerating us. We know there's an element of tolerance required to get through these. (laughs) Alex, we really got to work on your English (laughs) listeners. It's I'm too smart for my own good. There's so much going on in my brain. My mouth can't keep up. Yeah, it's like a fire hose coming through like a like a garden hose sprinkler <laughs> something like that yeah like attaching a fire hose to a sprinkler mm-hmm. that's alex but there's also little holes in the hose also where things are coming out yes <laughs> i don't just know bursting at the seams with good information uh, <laughs> listeners thank you so much it means a lot um that you stuck around this long uh, like, subscribe, share, do all the things. Our holiday challenge is starting up. If you're not on our email list, get on our email list. Really easy. Just go on our website or pop right up. Um, you can also sign up for the challenge on our website. It's live. And um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you guys out there. Okay. Toodaloo. Toodaloo.